So welcome to episode 81, where I sound like Katherine Hepburn. Mm. We are so sorry this took so long, but our lives get in the way and sometimes we don't have time for everything. So for 81, we're going to bring you some ride reviews. We're going to chit chat about some movies that you may or may not have seen recently about motorcycles. We're going to chat about, um, let's see, I went on vacation last week. I went on vacation. Yeah, we both had vacation, so we're going to get caught up on trips. God, I don't even think we covered my vacation to Atlanta. Oh, I don't think we did. So wow. we'll, we'll we're cover that. up there. This one might be extra long. <laughs> it might be, but I got Game of Thrones, so gotta gotta <laughs> gotta finish up and watch that oh in Silicon scared. Valley. All right, so let's talk about vacations. So since yours was earlier, why don't you tell us about? That's right, because Atlanta was when you you talk, you hung out with Brittany, right? No, I hung out with another friend. I hung out with Brittany maybe before Atlanta, but yeah. Um, so gosh, it's been it's been a, like it's a month. Been, yeah, a month. Um, I went to Atlanta to go the opposite direction of everyone that was going to Coda. That's um, right. Just because every once in a while, I just I don't want to go where everyone's going to be, and uh, uh, got to hang out with my former high school buddy James out there, and that was a lot of fun. Got to hang out with him and his kid and his wife. And I got to ride a Harley Sportster for the first time. You got to. Yeah, I got to. And it was particularly loud. And I I wasn't, can't really say I'm a fan of the particularly loud motorcycle because Atlanta has a lot of confusing freeways. And I was kind of like right in the dead center of having to take three or four in a short time frame. And so I needed turn-by-turn nav. So I had it in my ear, but the the loud pipes on the bike were so loud. Uh oh. What? Um, so it was a little bit complicated. And then uh, I was very grateful though. That was alone to me, and that was his baby. And he was hoping I would love Harley and be totally sold. <laughs> I can't say that that was the bike that was going to do it. Um, I am open to other opportunities. I'm not going to say I'm never going to jump on one again, but. Based on that bike, I think the loudness is what me. So, um, that said, it was still pretty fun. Popping the Harley Cherry. And then um, on the last day I was there, I went riding with my friend David. Actually, your friend David as well. David Knorr. And he had uh, a Multistrada. So, I rode a 2015 Multistrada Ducati. And that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like ridiculous fun so um i definitely could see myself having one of those in my life but i think the 20 something thousand dollar price point you know is a little bit uh (laughs) a little bit too much for what i'm looking to spend if i'm gonna buy a bike so atlanta was fun um friend got to talk to william h macy so i made sure that he plugged motorcycles so that we could uh you know get an in if he wanted to go for a ride but sadly he was filming a movie down there um wait so you met him yeah no uh i i sat in on something called a master class where he talked Ah. about acting and it was interesting 
he was hilarious. Totally funny, like, really cool person just to listen to talk about something. I mean, obviously, I'm not an actor, but yeah. oddly entertaining to listen to all that. And then uh, my friend went to go talk to him, and I said, hey, by the way, he rides. So if you feel like you need to get a couple extra minutes of conversation in, mm. just drop a motorcycle reference. And um, so, yeah, that was my trip to Atlanta. And then I shoot came back. You went on a vacation. Um I went to the Quail Motorcycle Gathering. Mm -hmm. uh, shoot, and I went to a press launch, too. Yeah, there was just back-to-back -back weekends of stuff. So I went to the uh, Yamaha XSR 900 press launch in San Diego. That was a lot of fun. Really liked the bike. I liked the bike so much that when I came back from the press launch, I managed to get the same bike again to go up to... Quail motorcycle gathering in Carmel. So I rode the triple 900, no windscreen. Hmm. Welcome to my uh, world. North, uh, north on, uh, on 101. And it was freezing cold and there was a bit of a headwind until I got to Cuesta Grade outside of San Luis Obispo. And then right at the top of Cuesta Grade and continuing towards uh, point, uh, Fort Hunter Liggett. So Fort Hunter Liggett is an active military base that is outside of, uh, slightly north of San Miguel, where the mission is off of 101. And they, there's a point where you can cross over onto that military base from Jolin Road. And you kind of have to know where you're going on there because there are a couple of wide one road with no turnoff points. It's, it's your connecting to multiple roads and cell service is pretty decent. So I, I connected through there and I think it got up to like 92, I think. So I went from like low fifties to 92. And then that particular stretch through the base is pretty awesome because you go through like these fields, these yellow fields of, you know, gold <laughs> and, uh, and there are oak trees off in the distance, and it's just really nice and quiet, and there aren't a lot of cars. And then you go into really dense oak forest with a stream, and then you come out at the top of the coastal ranges along the Pacific, and you can see all the way north up to Big Sur. So when you pop out onto PCH, you are south of Lucia. So you go from basically San Miguel off 101 to Lucia on the coast side. And then mm -hmm. at Lucia, I really hit my stride as far as uh, satisfaction and, and perfect climate goes because the roads are obviously amazing. You're along the coast. You try not to get too distracted by the fact that you see these uh, great breaks and rocky crags off to your left without banging into the car in front of you and uh, or going off the highway because it's nice and twisty. And that bike is just made for that road. Like, you couldn't have asked for a more perfect motorcycle to enjoy PCH. So, um, so no headwind. So I'm no longer, like, pushing my body forward to keep it. At some point when you're on a, a bike without a windscreen, it kind of feels like the faster you go, obviously, the more pressure is pushing against you. But at some point, it kind of just felt like I was holding on. Like, like, I wasn't actually sitting on the motorcycle. I just envisioned holding onto the bars and just blowing straight back and uh, which can be totally scary if 
for some reason you go faster and you pull off, you know, the, the more you, the more you get pushed, the more you're pulling on the throttle. But um, the minute I popped over to the coast, the weather was perfect. Uh, not not even so much as a breeze. Passed a couple of cars. Uh, they were shooting a movie, which meant that there are more highway patrol out there. So then I had to stop passing Prius and <laughs> wait until the uh, highway patrol disappeared so I could go back to passing Prius because the last thing I want to do is to be stuck behind one on such a beautiful road that just begs for me to go as fast as I'm safely capable of going. Hey, that's the advantage of riding over here. No one's really on the roads, so yeah. it's never crowded. But then again, the roads are not nearly, nearly, nowhere near as good as Highway 1 near Lucia. Or yeah. Nascimento Ferguson. So you went down Nascimento Ferguson to get to 1, right? Yep. That road is outstanding. And then the mm -hmm. part... You know, the valley, when the valley opens up, is also outstanding. It's yeah, one of my favorite Yeah, believe roads. it or not, a lot of people know, like, not a lot of people know about that road, but then no. some of my friends know about that road, because when I name drop it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's like, my favorite. I'm like, man, you know, uh, it was a couple of years ago that I think I was having some conversation on Twitter, and Mark Hoyer from Cycle World actually recommended that road. So his recommendation was the whole reason I tried that, and... It was just amazing. I I absolutely recommend, I would almost recommend that you go from 101 to 1. You can take it back the other way if you want to come back the same way you, you know, drove in. But when you go from east to west, you end up heading in the direction of the coast so that at the top of the ridgeline, you're looking down and seeing coast as you come down on that road. Um, if you go backwards you won't have that really brilliant coastal view that will be behind you but um actually made pretty good time considering i stopped like a half dozen times to shoot some photos um got up there around like 5 30 and the hotel let me park right out in front which was awesome um and i was right across the street from pretty much everyone else i knew so that was kind of funny because when they said uh Hey, you should come over. It was the, the Why We Ride uh, group. So Why We Ride does an organized ride up to the Quail Motorcycle Gathering. And this is the second year they've done it. And you basically start Thursday. By invite only, you start Thursday from their shop. And everyone else can meet Thursday night at their planned hotel so that everyone takes off Friday from around Pismo Beach and then heads up to Quail. So I went over and had dinner with those guys, and they were literally right across the street. So it was quite convenient and a good way to catch up. A lot of, a lot of journalists, a lot of uh, motorcycle industry publications went up with them this year. They doubled their numbers, which is great, and it's also for charity. It's for the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. Um, so... A good cause, great time, hanging out with some people. And then uh, next morning, I was on the ball at like maybe 8 or 9 o'clock uh, to get in before they opened the doors for all the public. I was up there uh, reporting for RevZilla's Common Tread. And that, that article should be posted up on Tuesday. I will send out a blast on Facebook and Twitter. Otherwise, check Revzilla Common Tread for the Quail Motorcycle Gathering. And uh, 
you will see lots and lots and lots of motorcycle photos. And I can tell you that uh, it was a great event. And read, read my input about it. I won't give too much away. But um, a great event. And when I woke up Sunday morning, my quads were on fire. And I couldn't figure out what I had done. I thought maybe it was the ride up. That I had, like, gripped the tank because it was windy. Like, what? why are my quads on fire? I must have shot, like, 600 photos. Mm-hmm. And I squatted for every single motorcycle I shot. So every time I took a picture of a bike, I got down on my, on my haunches and got back up again. And I didn't realize what kind of exercise I was getting by taking these photos. So I'm like, oh, my God, my legs are going to be great. This is awesome. See, now you know why I love CrossFit. Why we it's, signed up yeah, for a membership? It's awesome. I need to join. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a really fun time. Got to catch up with a lot of people. And Sunday, Sunday, I was lucky enough to catch up with my buddy Robert Talbot, who is opening a motorcycle museum in Carmel, Carmel Valley, actually, and uh, got a sneak peek on his collection. And that will also, at some point, be posted to Revzilla as well. Did some good riding. I finally found some roads that were worthy, I'd say, very worthy of, of Nascimento. Certainly not the same view and technical. However, I found some really good, we went back to West Virginia, and we did some really solid mountain riding. Because really, the closest very California riding is West Virginia from here. It's a day. It's about 350 miles for me to get to the mountains. It's the Monongahela Forest. I've been there twice now. I've ridden there two times. But this was the first time that Evan could come with me. So we got to ride together all through, um, just all through the mountains. Even though it was raining a lot of the time, we just, screw it. We just went out. You know, we tried to, we waited. We ended up riding later in the morning you know, like waiting for the rain to go away so we could get some dry riding in also. So we were able to get at least a couple hundred miles every day of of good riding. And I I'm, um, need to do a ride report this week. But we posted a video, or we, I should say he posted a video um, on my YouTube channel. Let me see, I will give you, did you see that yet? You have a you, wait, you have a YouTube channel? I do. I don't really do much on it. I have like three things on it or something that I've uploaded in like 10 years. Wow. But he, but he just uploaded this one. So it's right. It's Virginia, West Virginia, Moto Vacation. Crap, the audio might start playing in a second. Hang on. Um, but it's like a two and a half minute. No, stop it. Two and a half minute uh, little summary of some footage he, we got on one of the dry days because it was only really this was probably the driest riding day we had but even this video like uh there was one point where we were higher up on the mountain and it was pouring pouring rain and so we pulled over really quick to put the camera away and then um we saw this other guy who was on a harley who was also putting on his rain gear and then 10 minutes later it was dry so the weather there was really schizophrenic. It was passing through, so it was on and off rain the whole time we were riding. So we did five days, Sunday to Thursday, and we just took our time riding around. And uh, luckily this footage is from the one afternoon where we actually had dry weather to film. But then we couldn't even get 
there was another road that we did that was exceptional, just exceptionally twisty and just outstanding. But it started raining, and so we, or the battery died, I think, at that point because we had filmed this stuff. But we got at least really beautiful scenic video. It was dry. The clouds were out. I mean, it was just perfect. There's a little bit of color correction here. He he definitely tweaked the video quite a bit, I think. But I, he's following me, so if you're watching it, I'm the one in front, and yeah. he's filming. Um, <laughs> and there's a couple of times where we, like, passed each other so we could get some side-by-side -side footage, and it was fun. So we'll post a link to that. Um, of course, he's the video videographer extraordinaire. So we did that. We went to, we stayed in Stanton, Stanton, West Virginia. It's like a 300, 200 year old town, mining town. And they still have like, they basically have their whole town intact the way it was 200 years ago. And they've obviously spent a lot of time and money to preserve their history and like share their history and then also preserve the buildings and the architecture because it's not like a crumbling old ghost town. It's beautiful. And all the old buildings have been preserved and like painted and take, it's like they've actually taken care of their town over the past 200 years. And it, and the town just looks perfect today. And we stayed in their oldest hotel called the, the Stanton, no, Andrew Jackson Hotel. What was that what it was called? See, I already forgot. Um, <laughs> post a link to it. Um, and we just found it. We didn't even, um, make hotel reservations. So we left Saturday, Sunday morning and we just rode as far as we felt like it, wh which was like Virginia. And You're living we, on the edge. Yes. We lived on the edge. Stonewall Jackson hotel. So we huh. like, we just rode like 180 miles or something on, um, Sunday and then we stayed in like in Virginia because you know that's on the that's directly south of here and then West Virginia is a little bit southwest then we just picked you know because it's like Sunday night and there's plenty of hotels around so we booked a room at like Holiday Inn Express or something and then um, the next day we decided to go into the into West Virginia or at least really close to it so we found Stanton and um, the home of Woodrow Wilson and uh, found a room at the Stonewall Jackson Hotel. So if you look at my Instagram feed, you'll see a lot of photos that I took of the hotel and in Virginia and West Virginia. And it's this beautiful old hotel. It's also a couple hundred years old and again, also like renovated and it's beautiful. And so we stayed there for three nights and then we just basically stayed there and then rode out to as much as we could in West in the West Virginia mountains because really West Virginia is where everything is 250 92 84 I tried to get down to 311 which looks awesome but we didn't get down that far um yeah we saw some cool things saw a bunch of abandoned garages like old car auto uh, gas stations like service stations and so we found two and we took pictures and um yeah, like just wandered around and, you know, we, I put together some really quick routes and little loops like through the mountains and we went to Marlinton, West Virginia, which is beautiful. And we had lunch there and then we rode back and it was awesome. I just really love riding there because the roads are just outstanding. Um, you know, they're not just, they're not scenic. They're really technical. They're mountainous elevation change, hairpins, just a lot of really great twisty tight riding.
I'd avoid it if you're not good at that or maybe you're not comfortable there. It's not a really good place to go play. But there is plenty of scenic riding. Like on the last, our last day, we I, we made the mistake of, I, I, I wish we left Wednesday night and r rode a little further north so that we wouldn't be slabbing Thursday all the way home. Because we, we went up um, Skyline Drive, um, you know, which is like the top of the Blue Ridge Parkway and um or before the parkway starts and we basically rode up that you know and that was like 100 miles going 40 miles an hour so it took a while to get up there but by the end of by the mid-afternoon we were slabbing on 95 back to philly and it sucked like we were stuck in baltimore traffic forever and it was miserable so we stopped like every 30 minutes to get out of the heat and like um just relax because we were so tired so i will never do that again um, but vacation was great though. Just the riding was awesome and saw a bunch of cute things and it was just wonderful to just hang out and relax and like not have to do any work. So that's what I did two weeks ago. So I will be posting reviews of my trip. Oh, I did post a review, which I will also of course share of, um, of my Garmin. So I wrote a how-to guide on using the Garmin specifically how to create how to get your routes in there and then how to find them once you're in there because when you um when you google online about using your garmin there isn't i couldn't find any articles like here's how you put your route in the garmin and then here's how you find it on there so that's what i did is i did a little tutorial on how to find your garment. So we'll send a, I'll post a link to that as well. And then I also, uh, before, let's see, two, three weeks ago was, um, world Superbike. No, not world Superbike. Um, I went to New Jersey motorsports. I went to Moto America. God, it was pouring rain then too. It was like the whole day it freaking rained and it poured and if you watched the race, then you know how long it took for the last two races to finish because they had like super stock and super bike and the, and the weather was just so bad. People were crashing left and right. Um, oh, sorry. I don't know spoiler for you or not. Um, it was just really, really, really difficult for all the racers that day, but everybody finished. But the last race was just, it took forever. It took like two hours because they had to clean the track and. Um, there was an oil spill and so they had to fix that and that took a while. But, um, when I got to the track, uh, my friend who works for a Yamaha team, he hooked me up with the Olin suspension truck because they're there to support the factory racing teams and like adjust their shocks and, you know, do suspension modifications on the fly. And so I got my Olin's shock completely rebuilt and revalved for me so that means nice. yeah so that means i got a whole new spring i gave them mine and then in exchange i got um i bought he basically sold me a used spring which whatever a used spring and then he completely revalved it so now i have a bike that when i sit on it it actually sat it actually smushes down a little bit right so like when you sit on your bike hopefully you can feel the bike kind of smush down and if you sit on your bike 
and it's not smooshing down beneath your weight, that means you have a very stiff suspension. And that means you're too small for that spring. Like the spring I had was set for, it was a racing shock. So it's set really, really, really stiff. Meaning when I sat on it, it was like sitting on a board because I'm 130 pounds. And the weight of this spring is designed for a guy who weighs at least 200 because my friend sat on it and he's six foot tall. He's like 195, 200. And he's, he was even saying how stiff that spring was. And he was right because it was a racing spring. And so if your bike doesn't respond to you that way, you really need to look at the suspension. You need to take it to somebody and preferably a suspension workshop, some, a place that's, that's really all about suspension because your regular mechanic is probably not versed enough in that unless he or she has racing experience. Then of course you're, you know, I've, I've had a couple mechanics who used to race, so they were very much very knowledgeable in that, but not every mechanic, like your traditional Yamaha dealer, their mechanics are not suspension specialists. And they're not going to necessarily know what to tell you or what to advise you for your vehicle. So you want to really seek out a, a dealer or a shop that knows suspension. Because if you're little like me or you're light like Christy, when we sit on certain bikes, the suspensions don't, they just don't sag, so to speak, beneath, they don't compress beneath our weight. And it's really, 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 and I can't emphasize this enough. It's really, really, really important that your suspension responds to your body weight. Because when it doesn't, now you have a bike that does not compress and rebound the way it's supposed to, especially in the corners. And your your riding confidence and your kind of the feel that you get from your bike, it just is completely wrong. It's the best way I can say it is is the message that your bike gives you is just, it's wrong. And for me, um, you know, even though my bike is, it's a, it's a phenomenal bike. It has a beautiful suspension, but it just wasn't responding for me. So for me, that actually affected my riding confidence quite a bit. And it affected my ability to trust my motorcycle when I really need to trust it. Because I knew that that suspension wasn't working for me. Because as I'm going in and out of corners, that bike, that rear end is actually skipping. So if you try to lean into a corner and you feel like, and that bike is like hopping up and down and it's not really stable in the corner, you know, there's something wrong. And so I was desperate to get this thing retooled for myself and it was worth every penny to do so. Because now that bike is me, it's all me. And now I can pretty much wail on it as, as, uh, as hard as I want to. And I feel really, really good about that. Um, she said wail on it. I wail on it. Like I, the way I used to wail on my SV because the, the shock and the suspension on that was much softer and it totally smushed under my weight and it was really closer for me and I could really wail on that. Um, the stock shock though on my bike was a lot softer, but still no, nowhere near as, as perfect as this new shock is for me. And this is really more important, I think, for smaller folks. 
Um, and then really, really big folks, right? Because say you're, you're a guy, you're six foot, you're 250, maybe 300 pounds, and you're on a shock that is so soft, it feels like you're sitting on the ground, right? You sit on it and you just sink in. That's equally as horrible because you, you may bottom out, but that's also makes for a shitty ride. And you probably need a really stiff shock. You need a stronger shock right underneath your massive weight. And for us little people, it's the opposite. I need to be able to compress that spring. And um, it's just amazing how, how different my ride is now. And I truly have a bike that's, that's set up for me and my weight. Now, one thing to note is that every bike comes with a different shock. So say, for example, you just bought a Ninja 250, okay, or a Ninja 300. Those bikes have a completely different suspension and they're probably putting really, really soft shocks for more people, I, namely small women and smaller people, because they know a ton of people, ton of new riders, a ton of small women as well are buying those bikes. So when you sit on a Ninja, you probably can feel the difference. It kind of smushes a little bit under you and it's not like sitting on a bench. So every bike is different and a lot of bikes come with much softer um, shocks because they know they have a slightly different group of people sitting on that. But my, my shock came from a race bike. So the race suspensions are super stiff for racing. And so that's why the one that I got was just awful for me. But now it's just amazing. So I'll, I'm going to try to put together a lot of that in, in riding. But um, something that I, you know, I thought a lot about it with that regard is to also, you know, tall bikes, like seat height seat height as it relates to um, those of us who are vertically challenged because just because your inseam is say 28 and the bike is 32 that doesn't matter because if the suspension's right then theoretically you should drop down another half inch maybe three quarters of an inch I don't know how much but you're going to lose your, your seat height it really isn't going to be that tall once you sit on it so suspension will greatly affect that as well, because if you sit on the bike and it doesn't compress, then you're, you're kind of at the limit of that seat height, right? But, but if you sit on the bike and it smushes, like a dirt bike is a really good example. Um, like when I've sat on little... You dampen the springs when you sit on it. Yeah, like a little DR200 is so smushy. You sit on it and boom, it just kind of sinks down a little bit. And you now you've dropped the seat height down from 32 to maybe 31. I don't know. So don't you know, don't worry, not that you just don't want to look at the seat height at face value, because there's a lot of other factors that that really affect that. So that's just something else to take in consideration. When you're bike shopping, you want to look at the suspension, make sure that the suspension is um, optimized, or it's at least allowable for someone of your height and stature. Because like, like I said, a big guy on like, let's say a little 250cc cruiser, that suspension is, is just not strong enough to hold up, you know, the weight of someone, right, that large. So you want to always um, look at that when you're, you're evaluating your bikes, too. But, um, oh, shout out to my friend Ken. Thank you, Ken. He's, Ooh, uh, while we're doing shout outs. <laughs> for adjusting my suspension. Yes. I've got, like, a list of them. All right. So um, <laughs> thank you for reminding me. Did I delete her email? No, I did not. I don't okay, know. so... Our friend Robin, who I interviewed with Brittany on our last episode, mm -hmm. is uh, is now up in Anchorage with MotoQuest, working up there. Oh, wow. 
And she went to a, like, uh, I don't know, a fair or some sort of event up there that had motorcycle clubs. And uh, he saw this guy at a booth, sees Robin, and sees her MotoQuest sticker. And after she says, oh, hey, my name's Robin, um, he started asking about the podcast because he heard her. Mm -hmm. So um, his girlfriend is the president of the Last Frontier Motorcycle Club. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ken Costin and uh, girlfriend Judith. So, Ken and Judith, thank you for listening up in Anchorage. Hmm. And um, when I was at the Quail, I saw, uh, and now I'm forgetting her name, of course, the um, podcast, uh, the women and uh, men that do the podcast out of the motorcycle garage in Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Yes. Uh, That is re, what is it called? I know what you're talking about. I just, the name is, I'm blanking out right now. I've forgotten. So while you're looking that up, uh, someone else, as I was having a chat with, um, with some of the guys from Bonnier, someone else, you know, kind of breaks in, interrupt. And, uh, and I automatically deflect to the guys from Bonnier because I'm thinking that she wanted to talk to them, but she was actually interrupting to talk to me. She's like, you're Christy, right? I totally listened to the podcast. And I was Aww. like, whoa, that, that's cool. Because well, here I am, like, backing away, you know, kind of like, okay, well, it was nice talking to you guys and then walking away. And she actually wanted to talk to me. So Ryan, uh, Ryan Gullery and her, her, uh, her boyfriend, uh, Ryan as well, or actually it might be husband, um, she rides a Ducati Monster. And they came, I think they're in San Jose or, or Points North. So they came down for the quail. Uh, her husband works for Ducati. So um, I'd just like to say thank you to those guys who pulled me aside. And a couple other people kind of pulled me aside and was like, hey, are you so-and-so? So I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. People actually listen to this show. Holy crap. So, you know, it's always nice. If you hear, uh, hear or see one of us, uh, feel free to pull us aside. You know, it's gives us the warm fuzzies to know that there are actually people out there listening because sometimes we just don't believe our stats. <laughs> totally. And I, oh, I mean, I, I'm just Liza terrible. Liza is her name. Yes, Liza. Um, the but I don't know what the Facebook page is. is. It's called Motorcycles and Misfits. Ah, okay. And they do it out, out of the Recycle Santa Cruz uh, Motorcycle Repair Shop in Santa Cruz. Okay. So on, on Facebook, it's Recycle Santa Cruz. Yeah, and if you want to hear a very embarrassed Christy uh, give a soundbite, Liza asked me this question, (laughs) and uh, I'm not even going to discuss it. You're just going to have to go check out their podcast. But um, needless to say, you won't get the full 100% of me on this podcast because I try to be nice and tone it down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But... um, you know, in person, I do uh, I do like to use the language that uh, will make a lot of people blush. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the content is not necessarily user-friendly. So, that said, Liza left me freaking speechless. <laughs> and I was just like, <gasps> what? So, the question that she asked me, I just, I, I couldn't even repeat the question when, in the answer. I, I was just... It was cringeworthy. I was embarrassed. Like, and it takes a lot to embarrass me. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. If you're interested, 
find their podcasts on iTunes and look up their quail event coverage because they probably included that soundbite in there. But yeah, I was blushing like crazy and totally speechless. <laughs> is it is it uploaded yet or is that posted yet? Um, you know what? I haven't looked. We'll check. I will check it out. We'll check and get back to you. Yeah, I'm itching for my next vacation. It just can't come soon enough. Um, my next adventure is going to be the Sisters Ride. So, I don't know if you've been following that on Facebook or not, but the Sisters Centennial Ride is the uh, 100th anniversary of the Van Buren Sisters riding okay. across country. Not to divert, but oh, uh, they did upload it. It's podcast okay. 145. It was released on uh, May 18th. We'll post a link to that too. Yes. Um, I think so, yes, the Sisters Ride. So I'm going to do that from Pennsylvania to basically, sorry, New York, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. So I'm I'm going to be there Sunday to Thursday. I'll be back home Thursday because i got to work um, Friday. So uh, join us. Um, there's, a one, there's a first week package available if you want to just do the first week of the ride. So you don't, it's not just signing up for the whole thing. Um, there's day rider packages available if you just want to join up for a day and you only have a day or, you know, you only have the weekend to ride with them. You can sign up for a day. Um, there's parties going on. There's two events on the website, one for Springfield, Massachusetts at the Springfield Museums. There's also a huge party in Columbus, Ohio. So if you're in Columbus or Springfield, um, you should want to check that out. And it's all, it's open to the public. Um, the parties are just parties, fireworks, that sort of thing. Um, actually, both locations in Columbus and, and in uh, Springfield is going to be fireworks and dinner. And it's just open to anybody and everybody who thinks motorcycles are awesome and want to hang out with a bunch of women riding motorcycles across the country. So I will be there at Brooklyn, Springfield, and then um, all the way to Latrobe. And that's sistersmotorcycleride.com. I also interviewed Elisa, who's the organizer, months, a few months ago. So maybe we'll post another link to that episode so you can hear all about the ride. Um, but take a look. It's, um, it should be fun. It's going to be big, definitely a big group, but it's a fully guided, supported ride. So they you know, carry your luggage and all that good stuff. So check out the website for details. And if you want to catch the tail end of the ride, mm -hmm. I will probably be covering uh, the last day or two exiting Carson City. Mm -hmm into san francisco yes. there will be a party there too so that event information will also go up on the site hopefully very soon i know they're they're still working on finalizing the party info in san francisco i believe it's going to happen at the d store so uh, stay tuned for that and we'll we'll share info about that once that comes up um let me just send you a link to this what else um speaking of movies well did you watch well you can watch my video later. Um, <laughs> speaking of movies, you've probably heard about, you've probably seen as on Facebook for um, a, what looked like an adventure motorcycle um, movie. I can't remember the title of it. What, do you remember even what it was called? I, now I'm just blanking. Um, was it a story worth, no, I can't even remember. I am totally blinking right now. Um, Hold on. Blinking, blinking, blinking. It was what a, I didn't watch it, but it it appeared to be a, 
a movie about riding a bunch of basically a group of men riding across the country on their BMWs, I think. Um, a story worth living. That's it. A story worth living. And so I saw it on Facebook um, ads for it. And I think it was a theater release as well. Um, it, it's, it looks like an international. They're trying to spread this story all over. Um, but it was supposed to be an adventure motorcycle film. So you know, not of epic proportions like Long Way Around. There weren't any celebrities in it or anything. You know, Ewan McGregor wasn't in it. But, but I think, I want to say um, Charlie Borman did like a little intro about it. I think he talked about the movie. And, um, I actually didn't even watch that little snippet of him. But um, I, I didn't have any plans on watching it. I mean, I heard about it and I was like, oh, that looks, that looks cool. Another, you know, a movie about riding your bike. Um, that's cool with your friends. It's probably interesting. I'm sure I'll, maybe I'll check it out once it's released online or something. I'll, I'll take a look at it later, but it just, it didn't have to me the epic feel of like why we ride, you know, and to go see that in the theaters. Um, you know, it wasn't like a, it's not like a faster, not like a Mark Neal production. So nothing that big, but I thought it would be maybe interesting, but after reading a lot about it online, um, I probably, yeah, I probably won't be seeing it. Um, and if you've watched it or if you started to watch it, I, please, um, send us an email or post something on our Facebook wall, uh, Motorific podcast and tell us what you thought. But based on what I've seen, it just sadly just wasn't quite. Wasn't what, quite what they what? advertised. No. There's, there wasn't something wrong with the content. Because no. it's a free country. You can make a movie about whatever you want. Yes, But if absolutely. you market Correct. in the three or four minute trailer that you have, if you market yes. it as some vastly exciting road trip on big BMWs going through uh, beautiful U.S. landscape, yes. you know, yes. it's, yay, that's inspiring. Ooh, right. and there's some struggle and there's some, like, you know... yeah life experiences yeah that's what cool. everybody gets on a big you know road trip right. so it looked really awesome well apparently that <laughs> was uh, three of ten minutes of people actually on motorcycles yeah. and then the rest of it was a religious based uh uh movie and yeah. you know i've got nothing against religion um once upon a time no. i used to uh i used to study it but um oh hell i used to teach it i i just <laughs> I don't, I don't like, you know, it's like separation of church and state. I don't like mixing religion with my motorcycles. Um, yeah. And I definitely don't like it when someone kind of, it's kind of trickery. Yes. Uh, someone markets it as yes. like, hey, this is awesome. And then, it, you know, hey, it's just like how you feel when you get some sort of advertisement that says, hey, you want a three-day trip to like Rosary <laughs> Beach. But and first, then you go down there, <laughs> and then you go down there, and you're excited. <coughs> and now you have to sit in a meeting for four hours before you exactly. get to go. And you spend six, like eight of like oh, your. Oh, I did that once in Florida for a timeshare. Yeah, to go yeah, get free tickets share. to Disney World and free tickets to Universal Studios, we had to sit through a three-hour tour of a timeshare. Yeah. So, <laughs> needless to say, um, got nothing against religion, but you know, right. you just got to make sure that that's in your advertising and apparently if you saw it and you felt tricked or you walked out yep. 
they are offering refunds. But like a lot of people were posting, I mean, especially on their refund page, they're like, oh, well, we think we appropriately marketed it. But then this interview came out on the 700 Club where he talks about like, you know, dropping the motorcycles, but then trying to like convert people. And it's, you know, uh, that clearly was obvious, but very few people are going to watch 700 Club before they go to a movie that night if you're not a, a, a subscriber of that. So yeah. um, they're kind of, their note about, you know, we're really sorry, uh, we're going to give you your money back, please fill out this form. Um, a lot of people on on our Facebook feeds and other user groups are saying, Eat the fact that you lost two hours of your life you'll never get back in $15 because they're yep. going to have your personal information and they're probably going to sell that shit. <laughs> so, yeah, let the $15 just go. Like, sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm, it, yeah. Mm, I, there is I, that mm. possibility. Yeah. And I, what I think is just really, what's really sad is that they had no idea. They really had no idea who their audience, who would who the audience was in terms of who really wanted to go, who would want to go see this. Like who oh, it would draw. Oh, they knew who would want to go see this. They marketed it as a motorcycle movie <laughs> well, because they wanted to what I What I mean is I don't think they really understood the people that were going to go see this, meaning the majority of them are probably um, aesthetic, are probably agnostic or atheist uh-huh. and completely not religious What's, I bet you the majority of the ADV community is not religious at all. You know, and I would agree with you I because bet. all of the ones that I know on the West Coast, um, I would venture a guess to say like 90% of them aren't. And yep. the only motorcycle clubs that, that, I, that are on my radar that I'm aware of that are religious-based are typically uh, cruiser, cruiser-style yep. bikes. Yep. And yep. uh, there are some, you know, obviously in California, but I think the majority of of uh, religious, like religion and motorcycles, I think the majority of the two of those things combined is kind of in the center of the U.S. Yeah, it's just a it's just a bummer because the adventure motorcycle market is a very serious group of people who ride motorcycles. It's not anything like the Harley contingent or even some of the sport bike contingents the I find that people who are adventure riding, they are really serious about it and, and they don't just do it lightly. I, I think the majority anyway. And, and, and not even so much hardcore as it is. Look, most adventure motorcyclists are solo beings. Yes. How do I know? <laughs> um, but, uh, Point being, if you're going to spend two hours watching a movie that you think is about your passion, adventure motorcycling, and you find it to be about something else entirely, you're angry because that's two hours you could have spent riding a motorcycle. (laughs) That is what pisses them off. Well, I think also what pissed them off is being proselytized too. Proselytized too. And that, that right there was just like... Oh, now you did it. I mean, marketing a movie that, okay, isn't quite what it is, that's one thing, right? Say say they really did go across country and the movie put together was only like 20 minutes of that. Okay. But man, you you throw in trying to, uh, you know, basically get you, convert you into becoming a religious person. Now you've really like crossed some lines that, uh, yeah, you shouldn't have crossed because that's where the, I, I see so many people are like, Oh my God, this is just 
like, so the, disgusting. So the interesting thought that I had about this is now that it's out, that it's a religious-based movie, mm-hmm. or, or there are religious overtones um, with motorcycling undertones, Yep. Um, who is going to be compelled to go see it? Are you now going to attract... Uh, not motorcyclists necessarily, but uh, people who are religious. Will they now go see a motorcycle movie even though they're not interested in motorcycling? Well, that's, I think, who their other audience was because, of course, like all of the people in the religious community will clamor to go see it to support, you know, the, the message. The, the author, well, the author slash, you know, right. director or whatever, he, he's a published author, so see, he already has a following. The husband brings up a good point that he because we were talking about this earlier that it's like the movies with Kirk Cameron in it and some of the other movies that that have come out um, in theaters and they they are popular heavily popular in those circles which makes sense they're delivering messages that a certain contingent of people will certainly respond to and be thrilled to hear about and see in a movie so for that particular group of people sure I bet a lot of people are going to see it but none of you know, certainly none of people in the serious writing community are, are, are going to go see it after all that. I mean, who knows? Some people may just go see it just to see, like, how bad is it? <laughs> I mean, part of me wants to see, like, the same thing. It's like, just to see how bad is it? Is this something that I would have sat through 10 minutes of? Um, me, probably not. I probably would have got up and left because I'm a recovering Christian. You know, I did 10, <laughs> I did, I call it my sentence. I did 10 years you know, and I'm sorry if you're offended by this because you are religious, but me, I did about nine years in church. And uh, that's, for me, a sentence long served. And uh, it, it kind of ruined me at the end. And so I will never go back to organized religion again. I still have a lot of, but I still keep a lot of or have a lot of the beliefs that I had when I was attending um, the organized religion and involved in it. I just will never go back to an organized form of it again. But it doesn't mean that I completely dropped my spirituality. I still got it. I still got a lot of it. And um, a lot of things that I believe my husband doesn't. And that's cool too. And uh, somehow we managed to stay together. I don't know how. But uh, the organizing part like pretty much almost kept me from my my husband. So... I, I'll never, I'll never go back, and I just don't really in, see a need for it in my life at this point. But um, uh, yeah, I <laughs> kind of just want to see like what did they like? How did you know the beginning of this movie kind of you know start off, and what were they exactly saying? I'm just I don't know. It, it would be interesting. Who knows? What's also curious is the fact that. Um... BMW was clearly a sponsor of product, if not a financial backer yeah. of this film. And uh, as well as Tour Attack and Twisted yeah. Throttle and yes. Climb. Yes. So we have quite a few of our friends that are attached to um, either uh, product or financial support of this film. And I doubt you will see commentary yeah. from any one of those groups because they don't want to damage. They know that they're, you know, commu- they're essentially their adventure community is a little bit pissed off about it, but they're not going to want to damage future customers 
by alienating religion. So yeah. you yeah. won't hear a statement about how they were led to believe it was about something else because, you know, it's business. Yeah, no, pretty, no, I, yeah, totally right there with you. Um, in any case, it's just it's such a bummer. I feel so, <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. So it's always like up for watching really cool motorcycle movies, you know? It's like, it would have been great if it were a true adventure movie. That just would have been awesome. I think a lot of us have been clamoring for another long way around. It's like, I have not seen anything remotely close to that Yeah, well, all, all I can say is, when I market my adventure movie, I'm going to make sure I have across the image on the poster 100% Jesus free. <laughs> I don't think or you have to do that. Or something silly along those lines. I... Just because just because everyone in the adventure community is going to be like, "Huh? Are we going to get duped again?" I no. What's the under what's the overtone uh, uh... of the of film is there any sort of religious meaning no i think we'll be okay i think they'll yeah. take our words for a little better but um, i know i'm just teasing but if you didn't see it i want to hear on this was incredible i mean I there, were memes. It was, there were memes they were oh i love the one that lance it, he shared it or lee lee parks shared it right oh or, god lee's review was scathing well hit so he his quote is in is in the meme as well this the meme is funny I think it said like a story worth forgetting. Yeah, <laughs> it was so funny. It's like so a, a typical movie poster with yes. the critics' quotes on it. Yes, and they use the same font so. as the uh, headline of the the movie, the title of the movie, except they called it a story worth forgetting as it opposed to a story worth so living. But but there are funny. screenshots where they show stuff, and then they do like typical meme language. I mean, I've seen like a half dozen of these things. And this is all the adventure motorcycling contingent of people that are developing these memes and going to Photoshop (laughs) and doing this. It's kind of, it's kind of funny in a way that clearly we're creatively pissed (laughs) to a point where we go out and they leave at minute 30. They're mad about their $15 and they go home and they start developing memes. And it's just hilarious well, to think about. Yeah. And I, it's because I think the community feels completely robbed because they were so excited because m- motorcycling people, I think even adventure people are just really, really enthusiastic and they're really into motorcycling. Like it's, it's such an incredible thing for so many people um, motorcyclists in general if you're passionate general, about motorcycling yeah well i mean and then also i i feel like adventure motorcyclists are a very a very special group a very different group and they I I? I I i think so because i feel like adventure <laughs> adventure riders just have a different um kind of take and and they do things just a little bit differently and i feel like it's either all the way or not at all you either have your gs starbucks person or you have the person who rode solo around you know the united states around the world two times it's like i don't know there's just i feel like there's a seriousness and an attitude um among the adventure crowd that is unlike any other segment of riding it's just it's different and each segment has a a very different personality and different you know different characters and it's okay, just say it. I'm weird. Um, we're all weird, okay? <laughs> we're all weird, but just different. I don't know. I can't really explain it, but um, different.
different. She's inexplicable. I'm going to find this meme and we're going to repost it because it's too funny. Um, also, if you, uh, if you weren't paying attention, Overland Expo was this weekend and oh, supposedly right. they have some pretty good weather. So this will be the nice. first Overland Expo that I intentionally missed that wasn't uh, rained in or snowed in. Nice. <laughs> so I missed uh, last year at the same time, and I missed Overland Expo East for work. And on both of those occasions, last year it snowed. There was a snow blizzard in Prescott. and Or is it Flagstaff or Prescott? Hmm. Flagstaff, I think. But um, there was a snow blizzard. So outside everyone's tent, it was snowing. <laughs> Everyone's expecting nice. like seventy degree weather, so um, I'm happy that it seems to have gone off without a hitch. Uh, previous interviewee um, Allison Delap, who is the logistics manager for Overland Expo, will be swinging back through and staying with me in about a week, I think, if our plans are still on. So maybe we'll catch up with her and find out what she's up to next because she has some plans. Nice. Oops, sorry. Just kicked my microphone. Um, c- another event I want to just quickly mention on Ju- Friday, June. Gotta have my calendar up. June third. If you're in the Philadelphia area, or maybe you're in Delaware, New Jersey, um, we're gonna host at Revzilla at the store, the boutique, a ladies' gear workshop. <gasps> um, I will post a link to the Facebook event for it. So are you the champion of that? Um, not well, kind of. Not really. Like I, my coworker, she's a member of the Litas, so the Litas, ah. L-I-T-A-S, in Philly, and they wanted to do something like that for some time. Um, so she spearheaded it, and um, we're gonna do it in t- basically two weeks. Is that Rania? Uh, no, that's Megan. Megan is. Our office manager was our office manager. She's leaving in a month. She has a bakery. She runs a vegan bakery. She's a baker. Wow. So she's going to leave to do that full time. So totally excited for her for that. Well, motorcyclists love to eat. Seriously. Um, This one does. Post a link to this event. So if you're in the Philadelphia area or Jersey, it will be a Friday night. So like a happy hour, kind of basically like I think six to eight. What time do we do this? Yeah, six o'clock. So we'll share a link to that and it's on my facebook page as well today was today was a ride day seeing some moto family i haven't seen in a while hung out with my moto husband took him some zucchini bread since i yeah. made like six loaves of zucchini bread so i took him yeah. zucchini and zucchini bread oh. and then we Pass. went over to see ricky and i dropped off uh ricky some zucchini bread and zucchini as well and so that emptied about 10 pounds out of my backpack and then we rode out to Ojai to to visit Guy Webster and catch him up on the quail motorcycle gathering and and some other photos so that was cool and then we rode back through Santa Paula for tacos Mm, A plus. Real tacos. Oh, God. Real tacos. Pastor, baby. The real tacos are, they're pretty real here. I just, I'm not a taco person. I'm a burrito. I need a burrito person. Okay, well, a slightly bigger tortilla that's folded at either end. I know, I miss it. 
Do you know how we found this place in Ojai? It's one of my, or in Santa Paula, rather. It's one of my favorite things about motorcycling is that I was riding. Actually, both of us were riding through this intersection. And I, I think we were sitting at the intersection at the, at the red light talking and we had our visors up. And then when the light turned green, we go to put our visors down and the two of us pass this restaurant on the corner and then right after we pass the restaurant, I look over at him and he looks over at me. And then we, we both like in sync do a U-turn and we go back to this restaurant nice. and pull into the parking lot. Nice. And I was like, did you smell that? He's like, yeah, I smelled that. And I was like, you want to eat here? He's like, yeah. So it turned out to be a really great um, Mexican restaurant. And it uh, looks like it's been there forever, which is always encouraging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, so far we've been back a couple of times for the tacos, and they've been pretty pretty amazing. So, yeah, smelling. Being able to, to interact with your environment in a very um, personal way. And that's, how, that's my favorite way to find lunch. Beyond food, what else do we have to chit-chat about? I think, um, I, think I hit all my stuff. What else did we miss? Well, we have what we didn't talk about before, mm-hmm. which was tank bags and packs. Oh, that's right. Uh, Saddlebags for sport touring. That's right. And uh, But they didn't mention what kind of motorcycle they have. Hmm. Um, they did mention Cortex Super 2.0 saddlebags. Yes. I can tell you that the pack dilemma that I had for the XSR 900 and granted Yamaha sells aftermarket bags for this bike sure. that are supposedly compatible and I think they are a Cortec um, but I can tell you the bags that my friend brought over were too low they hung too low mm-hmm. over the passenger and uh, they would have hit the wheel so I had to try to rig up something different and when I removed the seat for the XSR, there wasn't enough room or thickness to be able to put a throwover saddlebag underneath the seat. Did you? And then there is like a, a crossbar that had a little hole cut out so that when you pop the seats, a uh, little, um, there was like a metal part on the seat that went through the hole in the frame and then the key or the whatever, the mechanism, the locking mechanism, not locked down there. So... In order to be able to slide any kind of material or tether so that a bag could actually be on attached to the frame of the motorcycle, I had to slip it underneath that little cross piece for the seat lock because there are no openings in the frame at all on that bike. So the only place it was secured was through that uh, cross member underneath the seat and then I actually used rock straps. So I had the rock strap peeking out. Why didn't you because use the Kriga? I used the Kriga, but I used, um, I had a couple, like I have a big bag of Kriga straps. Yeah. So whenever I run into a problem, I open up the bag and start sifting through it because they gave me a ton of different strap options. So what I did was, instead of the two metal loops on your typical Kriga where you run that fabric and then you have the little tether underneath the seat... Uh, that wouldn't fit, so I couldn't use that. Well, you so couldn't, you couldn't just lay down the straps under the seat and put the seat no. on top. Because uh, you don't have to tie them to the subframe. Like I never did that with my SV. I couldn't do that. So all I did is I took the 
They give you the four straps, right, to, to mm -hmm. create two. Um, and you just lay, I just laid them under the seat and then put the seat on top. And the seat, once it's on there, those straps aren't going anywhere. Oh. So you yeah. don't have to tie them to the subframe. I did not have that kind of luck. <clears throat> so what I did was I used the rock straps to secure it to the frame. And then um, I had a double uh, plastic clamp. So instead of that clip going into one part of the Kriga and the metal S-hook going into the loop, I had two clips going into each other, and I secured it underneath the tail section. So I had, like, an interesting concoction of straps going on, and uh, probably about, like, a 70% confidence that when I was leaving that nothing would happen. And surprisingly enough, um, everything was fine. But, uh, you know, that was the only time on maybe 10 motorcycles that I've run into a, a problem where the Krieger made me a little nervous. They have fit on every single random motorcycle I've ridden for the last three years that you I've had. Just try, just, I would, well, I don't know if you have that bike again, but when you tie the two straps together, you just tie them shorter as short as you need to, it really shouldn't matter what you have under the seat. Because once the straps are down, the seat's going to hold it in place. It works the same way. You don't have to tie it to something I don't underneath. think the seat is that tight that it's going to push the straps down. Like, I, I would have to tie the straps to each other and then have them hang out. Well, they And then that out. would be pressure on the seat. No, it shouldn't. It, well, it really shouldn't. In the future... Yeah. Try that, and if you are considering um, Kriega strap, Kriega bags, you can do it that way. You don't have to, um, you know, tie them to something underneath. And I, I rode that way with my bike for three, two years with them, and they never just had any the under the seat. Just laid them across the seat because, because there's always when you look, if you just turn the seat over. There's always going to be like little round nubs, you know, to when you put the seat on the bike and you and it locks down, it's not going anywhere. And there's there's usually enough pressure there to to keep them. You just you got to size them tight, you lay them in and you're done. And that's that's definitely another way. As far as um, as far as the Cortec bags go. I used to use those a long time ago on my Ninja 250. I used them on the Z750. I, I used them briefly on the um, SV, and then I bought some GV sport saddlebags. But Cortec actually makes newer sporty bags now, sporty saddlebags, and they're they're great. I think they're a really nice option. But if your seat is really, really small, like that XSR is, then um, kind of a Velcroed, saddlebag option may not be the best option for you. SW Motec, they also make really great sporty saddlebag systems for uh, minimally fared bikes as well. That's S-W-M-O-T-E-C-H. Revzilla sells them, of course. So if you go on our website, put in SW Motec. They make some really slick stuff that I would recommend. Um, but I haven't used saddlebags in like four years. I just, all I have ever used are these Kriegas and they work every time for me, regardless of what I'm riding or, or what I'm doing. Um, 
I'd say you may also want to look at uh, racked saddlebags. Like GV makes hard case uh, bags, right? Saddlebags, luggage racks. Depending on your bike, they might make a rack for it, and then you can get hard cases. If especially if you want locking luggage that's secure, you could totally get that. Just depends on your bike. Uh, my advice is to always Google. You put your make, your model, your year, put in saddlebags or luggage. And inevitably, someone will be posting about, check out these awesome bags I bought. You know, they work great and this is how they work. And here's all these pictures and here's how it works. So you'll always find options like that if you just Google because there's forums everywhere for every make and model of bike. So you'll always find something, a solution that way. If your bike is funky, um, I, you know, my go-to is always Kriga. Um, it's just, it's always worked for me. Dry spec is another, uh, it's more of an adventure touring type of bag. Um, it, depending on your sporty bike, if you have a naked or a sporty, it might work, but they're pretty wide and they're not as uh, skinny, especially if you have a really narrow seat. But I've, I've seen people use those as well. It's also a modular uh, dry bag system. Good luck with your luggage options. Um, what else? Uh, what else? Um, there's apparently a 50 state lane splitting um, petition that's going on. Granted, we're about a month late on <laughs> posting the link to sign. But um, let's see. Did it closed petition? 8,000 signatures. Wow. That needs to be uh, slightly better marketed. They needed 100,000. But um, some people are trying to do a grassroots version of getting a 50-state lane splitting bill. So hopefully we can, um, you know, try to reignite that, but just on a, a more impactful level that reaches more people. I know. I think it's, I feel like it's getting more, I've seen more talk about lane splitting laws now than ever before. I just saw one about Massachusetts. Um, let me see. Lane splitting. So I feel like people in different states are like spearheading more. There's more effort and more talk about it now. Um, and more discussions than there were before. And as far as legislation, um, but yeah. I, see I mean, this? certainly trying to go for a federal bill instead of a state-by-state -state bill means that anyone who is willing to put effort on a state level can, you know, it's like a power in numbers, can yeah. then reinvest their individual state. Yeah, I think the, the interest no. into something that's all-encompassing. What's I think what's just really awful, what's hard is, is if you just Google lane splitting, all you read about are just all the people crashing and dying from it. And you don't hear about the hundreds of people who get to work every day just fine without crashing and dying. And that there's accidents are happening all over the place, no matter what. Cars, so That was me last week. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't ever read about that it does work you're only reading about the horror stories like i just put it in facebook i put in massachusetts lane splitting and like the top stories are about crashing you know the someone who's complaining about it someone um lawyers talking about lane splitting injuries someone else complaining about the problem with lane splitting um 
you know, oh, there's a couple mentions about the bill that was in California. Um, here's a story from the Massachusetts State Troopers about somebody who was lane splitting. I it just ah, it sucks because lane splitting done safely is 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 great. But uh, you know, I I, I mean, I kind of get it. It's like everybody, uh, a lot of people abuse it, and they don't lane split safely. So that just F's it up for the rest of us and then none of us can lane split now because these assholes who are stunning and speeding and they're they're just not lane splitting they are basically just speeding that doesn't help us either so I mean I, I get it I, I'm, I'm not really optimistic about any legal lane splitting laws in the near future but I mean I still do it a little bit I'll do it if if, if it's my safety's involved I'll totally do it I'll take a ticket over getting rear-ended or you know my bike heating over heating up and overheating like I'll I'll lane split a little if I need to just a little bit not too much I can definitely tell you that uh, last week when I was riding to work I'm just kind of putting along and I'm doing my uh, my usual in-between cars and cruising at a speed slower than 40 miles per hour and I hear this loud screech mm -hmm. and you know, when you're riding, you're focused on everything in front of you. And I do glance behind me to yeah. see if there's another uh, motorcyclist that's trying to get by me because a lot of people in LA sadly split very fast. And so I am kind of cognizant of what's going on behind me, but not to the extent where I knew where the screeching was coming from. Mm. And literally, like, my heart skipped a beat for a second when I heard screeching. And then I remembered, oh, I'm in between cars, so it's okay. It can't possibly be me, you know. But uh, it could have been. It could have been the guy that I was behind, or in front of, rather, before I did hop into the center line. So, yeah, it's, uh, hmm. it's a little scary. It is scary. Well, that's all I have on my end. We, I think... I think that's all I have on my end, too. Apologies, guys, for uh, for the delay. delay. Um, we've been busy, but it's been a good kind of busy. Yeah. Um, might Very have some, uh, some more... Well, actually, won't be too much of a delay if I'm only gone a week, so we'll see whether or not that happens in June. But um, June 5th. We'll right now... Uh, we can tell you that um, if you are a podcast listener through iTunes or even Stitcher, probably, um, what is happening is we changed servers. So we were originally on a different hosting company, and we have now changed to a new host. We would love to invite you to take a peek and see how uh, how kick-ass and awesome our new uh, website is slowly coming into. And... I want to warn you that in order to change ho uh, change hosting, we needed to re-upload all of our uh, podcasts. And so what's going to happen is you're going to see 30, 40, you know, everything from 60 or 50 down to 1 is going to show up in your podcast feed as not listened to and not already played because we are uploading it. It will still come together in the iTunes format as, you know, uploaded in 2013 or whatever the original upload date was. 
but it's going to start popping in slowly as we go backwards because we've uploaded everything that's recent and, you know, in the last, like, couple of months. And then we've had to go backwards from, like, 50, 40, 30, and so on. So um, one of our listeners did mention that he's a little overwhelmed with seeing uh, 20 new podcasts in one weekend and sadly, there is no way to select all and mark as played in iTunes that I'm aware of. So um, if, if any of you are overwhelmed, the temporary solution is to unfollow Motorific in your podcast feed. But just make sure that you're keeping tabs on Facebook, uh, on our Facebook page, because that's where we will post in the next, like, month or so while we're finishing up loading the other 50 podcasts. So if you're going to unfollow us, I just want to say keep your eyes open for when we do start releasing new episodes so that you don't miss anything. And uh, we will be sure to mention again over the podcast when you can, when we're all caught up and when you can go check out the site and when you can resubscribe. If you're in iTunes on your computer, all you have to do is select them all. Just command Oh, a so you can do it on desktop. Yeah, just select all the episodes. So just go to edit and then uh, select all. And then right click. You can mark all as played. Oh, or okay. You, you can't to... do that on your phone. I tried. Yeah, on your phone you have to do it, I think, one by one. Um, yeah. But um, you can do it all on the computer. But yeah, okay. yeah well... hopefully you'll survive because these are first world problems, my friends. <laughs> Remember, these are first world problems. Well, but we'll get to if it. You have, if you have your phone set to automatically download, yeah. you you are going you are going into the extreme sense of first world problems because then you have fifty downloads going yeah. onto your phone. You, you may just so, may not want to set it automatically for just a little while, and then yeah, we'll resume. So we'll let we you know. apologize. Oh, they'll survive. It's part of the program. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we wanted to give you a, a cleaner look and a better site, and we're hoping that you'll use it a little more and you'll be happy. So it's all in the best interests of our, of our listeners. And us. It saves us time. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, we don't have to type out a just terrible RSS feed that <laughs> if you leave out one colon or one bracket, the entire podcast doesn't load. So they're taking the guesswork program and the host is taking the guesswork out of the RSS feed because clearly I'm not capable of copy paste. No, it's a lot of of extra, a lot of work, a lot of extra work. So in the meantime, visit us on our new website, motorific.com. Find us on Facebook, Motorific Podcast. We're on the Twitters. We're on Facebook. We're all over. So drop us a line if you want to email us. You can also do that on the website um, or motorific at gmail.com. And um, we look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, um, hang in there and we will hopefully be back in two weeks. So far, we should both be here. Barring any traveling, I don't have anything. So we should be back on a normal schedule, but um, we'll, we'll do our best. So thank you for listening as always. And we will talk to you soon.